Welcome to episode 584 of the Entertainment 2.0 podcast brought to you by the digitalmediazone.com. I'm Josh Pollard, and this is the show that puts you in control of your favorite movies, music, shows, and games. And folks, it's another crazy week, so it's another solo show. I think it's going to be okay. We really don't have a lot of news tonight, but a couple of big things. But the biggest thing is a gaming story. So to have Richard off for the week, maybe maybe a good week for for him to, to take off without having to stress out about that at all. Now, typically on the week where I don't have Richard, I would at least be able to incorporate other people into the show through listener feedback. But unfortunately, I don't have any feedback to read this week. So if you would like to send us your thoughts or questions on any of the things that we've talked about or any of the types of things that we talk about around here, you can do that by emailing us at entertainment20 at the digitalmediazone.com or just head over to the website while you're checking out the show notes and use the contact form on on there. So that's the perhaps the easiest way to get a hold of us. So let's jump right into the news and we will start with our video stories for the week. And they're actually, both of them, quick ones related to YouTube TV. YouTube TV being the service that allows you, uh, that, that basically works like a cable TV provider uh, where you can watch live, I guess you could call it premium TV. And the the first story here is YouTube TV is testing 5.1 channel audio on Android TV devices and Roku devices and some Google TV devices. So that's, <laughs> frankly, I, I feel a little bit mixed on this. Like, it's good news. Like, I'm, I'm never going to be sad about surround sound. Of course, that's, that's what we mean when we say 5.1 audio. It's five uh, discrete channels to it, to, you know, front left, front right, front center, and then two surrounds and then the point one is a subwoofer channel i'm i'm never sad to get that i'm just I, i'm just always blown away when we have to report that this is a new thing for any of these services that there's just no reason that these streaming tv providers shouldn't be providing 5.1 surround sound there's there's really no reason at all the audio codecs that uh, that are required for this are simple. They're well understood. They don't consume very much bandwidth. <laughs> so uh, it, it's a little frustrating that in 2022, we're still talking about 5.1 audio just now landing on some of these services. It should just have been there from the beginning. But we're glad to see it nonetheless. We would like to see it on everything, but they are just testing right now. Uh, and they say that assuming all goes well, which I'm sure it will, there's nothing difficult there. Uh, it will be coming to Apple TV, Amazon Fire TV, and game consoles later. No, no specific time frame in mind for that, but I would have to assume that this is something that's weeks to months, not months to years to come to those other service providers. Our other video story is also related to YouTube TV, but instead of watching it on your big screen, we're talking about the small screen here. 
YouTube TV now, and I, I think I mentioned this last week, I really hate to use the word finally when, when talking about news stories, but really I, I think it's appropriate for both of these. Uh, and this one is YouTube TV finally supports picture-in-picture mode on iOS and iPad OS devices. So on your iPhone, on your iPad, you can now watch YouTube TV in picture-in-picture mode, which just means in a window that overlays the other things that that you're doing. I've never done this on an iPhone because I don't have one, Uh, but I, I think this feature works really, really well on an iPad where you've obviously got a bigger screen that can support still having that video window large enough to see what's going on, but not taking up so much of the screen that you can't do anything else. So uh, this is this is great to have. It, it, it'll be a, a really welcome uh, improvement to anybody out there who's using YouTube TV and has Apple devices. I use this type of functionality on a lot of other services with my iPad and similar functionality on my Android phone. But again, that, that smaller Android phone, you've got to be kind of choosy as to, to what you're doing because you're losing about a third of the screen to, to the video content. So that can be kind of tricky to manage on a phone, but it's still nice to have. Uh, and for me, the main use case here is sports. You know, if I want to watch a, a Penguins hockey game while I'm scrolling Twitter, scrolling my news feeds, checking email, like this is a great way to do it. Well, maybe not great, but it's a pretty good way. The best way, of course, would be to just have my iPad in my hands and the game on my 65-inch TV instead. <laughs> that would be the better way uh, of doing all of that. But still, in a pinch, having picture-in-picture mode for YouTube TV on your iOS and iPad OS devices is a welcome thing to finally be receiving a couple years later than a lot of the other services that are out there. Even the YouTube, the regular YouTube app has been doing this since sometime last year. So nice to have this finally coming to uh, YouTube TV. So into our gaming segment and what is definitely the biggest news of the week. And that is that Sony PlayStation has announced what we've been wondering if they would do for years. And that is a competitor to Xbox Game Pass. And they actually did it. And it's a pretty similar service with a couple of major differences. So let's roll out everything because it's a three-tiered approach. And one thing to remember as as we go through these tiers is they stack on top of each other. So we'll, we'll start with the lowest tier. The next tier up gets everything below it. And the top tier gets everything below it. So it's just adding more and more things on, which does help make things a little bit simpler and frankly, a little bit simpler than some of the Game Pass offerings. Okay, so the lowest level option is going to just be called PlayStation Plus Essential. And if you know what PlayStation Plus has been for the last 10 years, something like that, it's still basically just that. They just added the word essential onto it. It is 
the the service that will allow you to play games online to to do the online multiplayer and uh as long as you maintain that subscription they give it's usually two games a month for free and if you're thinking yeah but are they any good because the games the games with gold on Xbox have been pretty terrible for the last couple of years now on PlayStation they're generally pretty good most months even when the the Xbox uh games with gold games were good most months the games that were included with PlayStation Plus were even better for example they released Final Fantasy 7 remake one month as a free game like that's a huge huge deal so th- th- these are typically good games the pricing here for this isn't changing, and it's the same as what uh, Xbox Live Gold used to cost everybody. So that's $9.99 a month if you're going to pay month to month, which you should not do because you get a massive discount for buying it for one year at a time. It's $60 a year as opposed to that $10 a month price tag. Okay, so that's really nothing new there except for a name change. The next level up is where things get interesting, and that is called PlayStation Plus Extra. So you get everything that's in Essential, and the main thing is you get access to a library of 400 PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5 games. And Sony is calling this library 400 of their most enjoyable games. It's an interesting phrase to use there, and but they're not... They're not wrong. Like these, these are a lot of heavy hitters: Death Stranding, God of War, Spider Man, Spider Man Miles Morales. Uh, they called out Mortal Kombat 11 and Returnal. All of those are pretty big name games, huge games. You know, God of War was game of the year for most video game outlets. Uh, the the year that it came out, Spider Man was. Game of the Year, or at least a nominee for Game of of the Year. Spider-Man Miles Morales, it's essentially an add-on pack to to Spider-Man, but was also really, really good. And uh, of course, Mortal Kombat 11 and Returnal were good games in their own right. So all of those will be in this service when it launches. And the price is also interesting. So the price is $15 a month, which... Seems okay. Uh, same exact price as Xbox Game Pass Ultimate with a fairly similar offering. The only real difference, well, no, there's really two big differences here uh, that it doesn't compete with uh, Game Pass Ultimate on. One is Game Pass Ultimate includes the ability to play games on a PC. There's no PC playback uh, w- with any of these. And Game Pass Ultimate allows you to stream some games from the cloud on basically any device you could imagine, a, a phone, a tablet, uh, computers, lots of different things, Chrome, uh, Chromebooks, you know, pretty much anything you can think of, and eventually coming to um, TVs and set-top boxes and things like that. So that's not included here. It's basically just PlayStation Plus plus this library of games for either $15 a month or here's another difference and and an area where they're doing better than Microsoft. Much like the other tier, you get a pretty big discount for buying it a year at a time. So it's $15 a month or 
$99 for a year, which is a pretty sweet price. There's one more tier here, and then we'll, we'll cover some of these other things. And this one is called PlayStation Plus Premium. Again, it's, it includes everything that we've already talked about, but it also adds on all of the retro games. So uh, a, a certain library of original PlayStation, PlayStation 2, PlayStation 3, PSP, all you know, games from all of those platforms are available. Not every game. It's you know, it's a limited collection of games, but it's probably most of the ones that you would want to play from those systems. So depending on the platform, some of them are downloadable, some of them are streamed. You can look into the details in in the blog post if that's super critical to you. But that that's what you get is access to uh, another library of retro PlayStation games. That is $18 a month, or again, discounted it if you pay for a year at a time at $120 a year. So $3 extra per month or $20 extra for the year to be able to play all of these retro PlayStation games in addition to all of the other stuff. So pricing here, I think is pretty good. Uh, you know, the the one big difference, I guess, in pricing other than the big discounts, like uh, if if you pay for a year at a time, big discounts on the PlayStation side. I think that's a huge win for them. But the with with the main tier being that that middle one, the PlayStation Plus Extra one, being fifteen dollars a month, and still really only having access to play those games on your PlayStation, it, it's maybe not the best direct competitor because if you well, you know, maybe it is because I, I was going to say Game Pass for just Xbox is $10 a month. It's it's $5 less. But if you buy just Game Pass, that doesn't include Xbox Live Gold and you would have to pay for that separately. So, you know what? I'll take that back and say that the pricing here is okay. You're just missing out on a couple of the things that Xbox can provide because they they don't just make Xbox consoles. They also make PCs uh, and they have uh, a really solid game streaming platform. And I know PlayStation has a game streaming platform too, and they've had it even longer than Xbox has, but it's working really, really well for Xbox. So the other big difference, because you know we, we can talk about price and we can talk about how big the library is, but at the end of the day, what really matters is what games are in this service. And they talked about some of those big ones. And without a doubt, like Death Stranding, God of War, Spider-Man, those are fantastic games. Some of the best games that have ever been on a PlayStation console. But none of them are new. The newest game in that list is Returnal, which is a, almost a year old. That game came out April 30th of 2021. All the rest of them were were prior to that, 2020 or or even older. So it's an and on top of that, they're, they're specifically saying that their big PlayStation exclusive games will not launch on this subscription platform on the same date that the game launches to the public. That that just doesn't work with their model. They're not going to do it. They will most likely eventually come to the platform, but they've given us no indication as to how long some of those release windows might be. 
So when the the next God of War game, God of War Ragnarok, comes out, I think it's still scheduled to release this fall. When will it come to PlayStation Plus Extra? Will it be in the spring? That's not so bad. You know, that that's that's a model that we've seen with EA Play, where they'll launch, you know, Madden and NFL and FIFA all in the fall. And then that most recent version of that sports title shows up in the EA Play Vault in, you know, the, the early months of the next year. So you're you're waiting three, four, five months for for that game to show up in the vault. If that's the case, that's not too bad, but it's not nearly as great as being able to play Forza Horizon 5 and Halo Infinite on launch day without paying any extra money. But you got to imagine they will be there. But I also feel like we have to point out that Sony has has done weird things with with their subscription services like this in the past because they do have that game streaming service and for a long time their big uh more recent uh you know top top tier AAA games just weren't available on the platform at all and then they started adding them in and then they pulled them back out so like you could play God of War in in their streaming platform for a while and you could play um horizon zero dawn in their platform for a little while and then they removed the games from the library and it, it it's absolutely fair to say that microsoft removes games from game pass also but i can't think of any first party games that they've removed from game pass not with one exception they removed forza motorsports 7 but i they removed that from the store entirely, and I think that had more to do with other licensing restrictions that had those contracts had expired, so they had to remove the game. I can't think of any other games that they've removed from Game Pass that were Xbox, you know, first party exclusives. There, there have been lots of third party games that have come and gone for sure. It happens every single month. But are we ever going to see? Forza Horizon 5 drop from there? Probably not. Forza Horizon 4 is still on there. And even if it does, like, you know, for a game that that sees re, you know, new versions of it every couple of years, maybe that's not such a bad thing. But uh, so so I'll be real curious to see how that aspect of this uh, ends up working out from from Sony's perspective. And we're going to have to wait a little while longer to to find out you know, the rest of the games that are going to be in the library and our chances to actually use it. It's going to start rolling out in early summer in some territories. They're going to start in East Asia. Makes sense. Japanese company. They're probably going to start in Japan. And then they're saying that they're going to roll it out to to their other big major territories, the U.S., Europe, things like, you know, areas like that. Um, They're saying by the end of the first half of 2022. And hopefully they'll hit that. Uh, it it seems reasonable. Uh, I, I'm sure the the biggest thing here is is contracts and stuff. So hopefully we will see this. I I think it is a great plan. Uh, it it doesn't do you know there are some things it does better than Game Pass. There are some things that Game Pass does better. But frankly, if you're living in a one console world, you've only got a PlayStation. You've only got an Xbox. The fact that both of those platforms are now going to have a service like this is a good thing because I have 
while I was a little bit skeptical of Game Pass when it first launched, I am an absolute believer in Game Pass now. And I've been a subscriber for well over a year because it's just such a fantastic value. And But part of the reason that it's a great value is that Microsoft has been able to bring along third parties to get a lot of their great games in the service. And they were able to even include EA Play in there. So lots of great third-party games in the service too. Hopefully for the sake of PlayStation fans, Sony is going to be able to wrangle a lot of those deals uh, for, for their service also. But again, I feel like we have to say this a lot. I really, really hope that this doesn't become yet another place where the companies can can vie for console exclusives. Like I, I wouldn't want to see a game be exclusively tied to Game Pass or exclusively tied to PlayStation Plus Premium. That would be kind of annoying, but it's probably going to happen. All right, our last piece of news is another gaming story, and this is another good one. If you've been wanting to buy an Xbox Series X for the last year and a half, and you've been unable to get one, I have good news. You can probably go and buy one right now. Right now. No matter when you're listening to this, you can probably go get one. But it's a little bit different than what you're thinking. I'm not saying just go to Amazon or go to Best Buy and there's going to be one on the shelf. That's probably still not going to be the case. But Microsoft is now selling refurbished Xbox Series X consoles from their own store. Refurbished means it was returned due to some sort of failure and then Microsoft fixed the problem and upgraded it to the latest software and stuff repackaged it with you know a new controller and you know all, all of that stuff and then they're selling it to you with a one-year warranty some people get nervous about refurbished products uh, over the decades i've purchased tons of refurbished gear and a lot of it being refurbished electronics and i can't think of a single time when i've ever been burned by buying a refurbished product you normally just saving money. And sometimes you don't get all of the same packaging or whatever, but I don't care about that. I just want the product to be good. So there is one other kind of a gotcha here. You can't just buy the console. They are doing the thing that we hate seeing companies do, and that is they're forcing you into a bundle. So to do this, you have to pick the console, and then pick a game. You do have to buy a game. And it's unfortunately a limited selection of games. But there's some really good ones. Like if if you've been super excited about Elden Ring and you want to play it on a next-gen console, Elden Ring is one of the games you can buy. But that's 60 bucks. The cheapest game in there is Assassin's Creed Valhalla, which is a couple of years old, so it ought to be. But that that game in the bundle is twenty five ish dollars or something like that, and then you also need to bundle in another controller. But you have a bunch of options there too. You can buy the standard black one, and that's uh, one of the cheapest ones at fifty dollars. You can buy the blue one at fifty dollars. So those two options are the two cheapest. They've got some of the other special edition colors, the red one, and some of those other ones for a little bit more money. 
They even have the Xbox Elite Series 2 or whatever the newest version of the Elite controller. That's in there at a discount. I think it's like $135 instead of $180 for that controller. So you could go all in and get all of that. But if you go with Assassin's Creed Valhalla and the cheapest $50 controller, then you can get yourself that bundle with this refurbished Xbox Series X for $543.97. So if if you just want to treat it as like, well, you know, I, I would have paid $500 for a brand new Xbox and this is a, essentially a brand new one, then you're basically just paying $44 for an extra controller and a game. Even if you don't care about the game, like that's less money than you would pay for a new controller. So I think while I hate the fact that they're forcing people into these bundles, it's still a pretty good deal. So if you really want one and you've been trying really hard and you just have not been able to get one and you're okay with a refurbished console, again, it's got a one-year warranty on it, which I think is the same as if you bought a brand new. I don't see any reason not to go with this option. And if you were going to buy one of these other big games you know, Cyberpunk is in there. Like I said, Elden Ring is in there. There's some big name games in there that you might be looking at anyway. I, I think this is a great option. So the, that's that, that feels like a great way to end the news segment on what I think is some pretty good news. So all of the links for all of all of these stories are in our show notes over at www.thedigitalmediazone.com where you can get all of the details for that stuff. Okay, so uh, if you're not sure how to find that refurbished Xbox, we've got the links and the details over there. You know, while while you're checking out the site, share it with a friend. Let somebody know about this podcast. Somebody who is into video games and somebody who's into uh, you know hi-fi home theater stuff and 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 is a cord cutter or you know is just looking at getting away from. Uh, all of the different streaming services and, and want to know which ones make the most sense. You know, all of the things that we talk about here, share the podcast with a friend so that uh, they can also uh, get, get some helpful information out of the show. All right. Now we're going to jump into uh, one of our favorite segments on the show. It, it's what's going on in our entertainment centers. And I'm sad Richard's not here. It seems like every week that I actually watch a movie or actually watch some TV, Richard's not here to talk about it with me, but oh well, his loss. So I did watch a movie and a new show this week. Uh, this this weekend, I was tired. I didn't even want to play games. I just wanted to sit around and watch a movie. And my problem, and I would love to hear your solutions to this, folks. So so email us, entertainment20 at digitalmediazone.com or get any of the rest of our contact information over at the website. Let me know how you handle this. Cause here's what happened. It was Saturday evening. I knew I wanted to watch a movie that night. I didn't want to pay a rental fee or have to go to voodoo and buy something, but I wanted it to be something I've never seen. And so I wanted it to be on one of the many streaming services that I have Netflix, Amazon prime, Hulu, um, Disney plus. I probably have a couple of others that I'm not even thinking of right now. Right. And, and my mind just blanked. I'm like, I have no idea what I want to watch. I, I, 
can think of a genre like you know if i could watch a, a cool spy thriller like that would be great couldn't think of any and even what i tried to do was like i went to netflix or something like that and found like jason bourne or something like that and then went okay what are movies similar to this that you have and even then i was like yeah this isn't working um i i think i did that for apple tv which is an interesting service because Apple TV will also sell and rent you movies. So I, I think I started with Apple TV and I'm like, oh, they've got the Mission Impossible movies. I'll I'll watch the latest Mission Impossible movie. It's not part of Apple TV Plus. It's just there as a rental or a purchase. Well, I don't I don't want to buy a movie tonight. I just want to watch something that I've already basically paid for. So that was a little frustrating, and I'd I'd love to know how all of you manage things like that. Do you just keep a, a watch list somewhere of, of movies that you see, and you're like, yeah, I want to watch that someday? Or do you have some much better system for that? If you do, share it with me, because I, I would love to know how you're handling that. What I did end up finding uh, was over on Disney+, Plus, which surprised me, because I pretty much only think of Disney+, Plus as kids' movies. Marvel and Star Wars. And frankly, I'm almost never in the mood for Marvel or Star Wars. And I, it was just going to be me. So I wasn't going to be watching a kid's movie either. But they also have the X Men movies. And I have not seen the two most recent X Men movies, partly because I've heard they weren't very good uh, X Men Apocalypse and X Men The Dark Phoenix. But I love the X Men. So I decided let's watch The Dark Phoenix. The Phoenix Saga is uh, has has always been one of the the best storylines in the entire X Men series, and and while I heard it, it wasn't fantastic, it sounded like it was still better than X Men Apocalypse. So I, I went with that. It was good. It was fine. <laughs> Maybe fine is the the better uh, description. It. It's not fantastic. It, it's uh, it's maybe not exactly you know perfect with with the comic uh, depiction of that whole storyline, but it works. It was interesting. Um, it does leave you with some interesting questions. I, I did like the fact that they were willing to kill off major characters uh, in in one of these X Men movies and like actually kill them, even if. The the only real reason that they did it is because they don't want to pay those actors anymore in future movies. It's fine, whatever. Like you, you got to move on eventually, anyway. So it was good enough. If you like X Men, I I think you should watch it. I mean, why not? Uh, maybe maybe soon. Maybe this weekend. Who knows? Uh, I'll I'll try out X Men Apocalypse. I I loved all of the apocalypse related stories uh, from you know, like the nineties cartoon show and stuff. So I'm interested. I ought to watch it. It's X-Men. Why not? On the TV side, I watched something new, something that I absolutely did not expect to be watching, but Jen brought it up to me as something that she might be interested in. And I said, cool, then let's give it a shot. It was another Apple TV plus series. It's kind of, I think they're calling it a mini series, but I don't know how many episodes it's going to be. It's called We Crashed. And it's basically a, you know, a, a dramatization of the story of WeWork, the company WeWork, and the dramatic rise and the dramatic fall of 
that company and the people at the top of of that company. We've only watched the first episode because each episode is in you know roughly an hour long, uh, but it was uh, we thought it was pretty interesting. So I, I think we're gonna stick with it and and watch some more of that. Probably won't happen this weekend because she's gonna be out of town. Uh, but I I definitely thought it was interesting enough to keep watching. So if you're interested in uh, the WeWork story, then I I would recommend We Crashed at least the first episode. And then in terms of games that I was playing over the last week, nothing new here. NHL, Halo Infinite, more of that retro bowl game on my phone. Although I, I do have to say that game kind of made me mad. Uh, as as you progress through the seasons, um, at, at the end of the season, you get offers to go and coach slash manage other teams. And I, and I got offered to coach a really, really good team and my team wasn't great. And I thought, cool, great. Sounds awesome. And then I found out that when you do that, all of their coaches leave. So your team isn't actually nearly as good as what you were expecting. And there's no like way to to save your game in a separate save slot so that if you really regret your decision, you can go back. No, it's it's a one-way deal with very little uh you know ways of of really inspecting that deal before you accept that contract. So I was really really frustrated cuz I liked my team. I didn't want to leave my team. <sighs> so, anyway, that's Retro Bowl. I did end up giving them a few bucks uh because it, it it's worth it. It's I I've definitely gotten uh plenty of time out of that game and enjoyment. So, sending them a few bucks to have some of the in-game currency. I felt that was well worth it. All right, and then reading, I am so close to done with the last book in the Three Body Problem trilogy. The last book is called Death's End. I think I have less than an hour remaining in in this final book, which is 28 hours long, I think. Seriously, there was a, a part of me that was like, Maybe maybe I don't need a podcast tonight so that I can just finish this book. No. This I, I, I gotta do the show. I can finish the book tomorrow or whatever. It's it's been a really, really interesting story. I, I mentioned last week that there are some parts that are super depressing, but this whole series, it is I, I think we use the word epic too frequently in the way we describe things, but I I think it, it is the it is the right way to describe this series and the huge expanse of of topics and time and like I don't even really want to say much more than that because I don't want to give anything away. It's like if you can handle hard sci-fi and you can handle some pretty depressing stuff that happens in there, it's definitely worth your read. It's really interesting. It is a uh, a literary universe that could absolutely be greatly expanded on uh in in many many different ways that that would work really well but even if the author never touches it again he he did a a fantastic job telling a massive massive story so uh i i've really liked it like i said it's fairly depressing at times so i i wouldn't say it's like my my favorite or anything because i do like to have a little bit more happiness in in some of my books. Jen might disagree with that statement, but um but it it's good. It's really good. You should check it out if, if you're into that sort of thing. So again, that that's the three body problem 
um, by Cixin Liu, um, a, a Chinese author, really, really good. And I think they're planning to make a Netflix series out of this. And if they do, like it is something that could be many, many, many seasons worth of of TV shows. Like that's just how much there is in these three books. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this week's show. If you do want to get a hold of us, we mentioned, of course, go over to, to the digitalmediazone.com for all of the show notes, the contact form, our email address, and a relisting of every way that you can get a hold of us. But we're also on Twitter at Richard Gunther, at Josh Pollard, at DigiMediaZone. Also, coming very soon, Home On, Richard's other podcast, uh, coming back from its. Uh, a little bit too long hiatus, but so excited to see that coming back very, very soon uh, for you to, to check out the latest uh, smart home, DIY smart home information. And, you know, normally, <laughs> why, why do I keep saying normally? Uh, as often as we can, we do the show live over on Twitch. When we do that, it's typically Tuesday nights at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. But follow us on Twitter to know for sure when those shows are going to happen. Because that's going to do it for episode 584. I'm Josh Pollard. Thanks for listening to Entertainment 2.0. Adios.